Friday, June 24th, 2021. Today, from our news team, Steven Spielberg gets into bed with Netflix, a long-promised Tekken game now officially dead. And that is something that heroes do. Probably. This is the Culture Jack News Desk. <laughs> Welcome, this is the Culture Jack News Desk, your source for stolen information, hot takes, and your weekly news. I'm your host, Archimedes Abigail, and before we get into the news... If you are new to the podcast, one, welcome. This is one of two weekly shows that we do every week. Ah, uh, we do more more shows than that as well. Starting our week off on the right foot, we have Monday Madness with Anthony. On Thursday, of course, we've got this one, the news desk. On Friday, uh, our good friend and co-host Dustin hosts the Friday show. And then on Saturday, typically... On today's episode, we host a movie or television series that we are watching. And actually, that podcast episode happened yesterday. It's on Wednesdays now to accommodate uh, the show that we're watching, Loki. And then finally, round out your weekend with the Weekend Wire on Sunday. And before we get into the news, I have a couple housekeeping items that I have to go through. Well, I guess I don't have to. I don't have to tell, I don't have to tell you anything. I could keep you in the dark about everything, but I think it's only appropriate. It's only courteous for me to get you caught up on a couple of things. So first of all, if you haven't been paying attention to the podcast over the last two weeks, we have been covering the E3 2021 event that that occurred. Uh, Really, we're going to be covering this kind of information all throughout the rest of the summer, throughout the rest of the season and, and on in through the through the end of the year, because apparently the summer of games goes on forever. But we did do uh, showcase showcase or recaps on most of the shows that were showcased at E3 2021. Uh, We also had a wonderful review or depending on when this comes up, we will have a wonderful review that Dustin and Anthony did. Now, curious that I was not invited. I feel like. I am as big of a part of the show as those two are. Now, I know I wasn't one of the originals. I wasn't one of the OG Culture Jacked fellas. Um, I didn't start the podcast, but I joined it. And since I have joined it, I can't help but feel that there has been a dramatic increase in the, in the quality of production, content, consistency, scheduling of these podcast episodes. And so... I know Dustin and Anthony listen to these episodes every week that I put them out, but it would be nice if you guys included me. I, <laughs> I'm feeling a little left out over here. Uh, so check out our E3 2021 coverage. Uh, I only did a couple episodes of it, but Dustin did a few, Anthony did a few, and we got a good uh, swath of information for you there. So if you're interested in that, check it out. Uh, also, uh, another I guess it's not an announcement. I'm not going to announce it today. Uh, again, I'm a third wheel on this podcast, and so I don't get to make the big announcements. But there is going to be a change coming to Culture Jack News Shows. That's, of course, the show, The News Desk, and The Weekend Wire. So, of course, like everything else, Dustin and Anthony get all the benefits of this. So stay tuned for that announcement on The Weekend Wire uh, with Anthony on Sunday. 
And then finally, my last kind of housekeeping, I guess it's Culture Jack News. I mean, this is a news show, and I'm uh, now I'm just covering news about our podcast specifically. In big Culture Jack News, if you have not seen, Culture Jack was recently accepted to uh, have its podcast played on Pandora, the Pandora app. So if any of you like the Pandora app for, you know, lazy background listening music, that is another option for you to receive this podcast. And it was actually, it was actually approved by those admins last week, I want to say, maybe the week before that, but Dustin and Anthony don't check the emails, so I had to go check the emails, and boy was I surprised and happy to see that uh, Culture Jack is now also on Pandora. So, with all of that being said, with all of those things out of the way, let's take a peek at the news. In movie news, uh, from comicbookmovie.com, so, Loki, uh, Kevin Feige for Loki, reveals how long that show was planned as writer and director reveal surprising influences. So this was uh, from the global press conference for Loki, and it didn't feature too many major reveals. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige did shed some light on when the pieces fell into place. This is Kevin Feige here. I don't think we knew... When we shot Infinity War, but I think we knew when we shot Endgame, he said, confirming that when Loki died in Avengers Infinity War, that was it for the character at the time. Now, believe that if you will, I certainly don't. But he continued, what that meant and where that specifically would go, we didn't know. But one of my favorite things coming out of out of Endgame was people saying that we forgot to tie up the loose end of Loki. Loki just disappears and we forgot to mention what happens to him at the end of that movie, Feige continued. And at that point, we did know that there was Disney Plus coming and it and it became very exciting to make people wait until we figured out what the show would be. And now, finally, to be here two days from it being unveiled to the world is pretty cool. Well... Never mind, that's not Kevin Feige anymore. Um, From from there, it was a case of finding the right creative team for Loki, and that is where director Kate Herron and head writer Michael Waldron came in. Asked what inspired this series, the former shared some surprising sources of influence for her first trip into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so it looks like uh, she was inspired by a lot of film noir and she talks about her lighting and, and, you know, that was one of the reasons that she was inspired that way. And also the movie seven was a very heavy influence. Interesting. That's very neat. Uh, wait a second. She says there's a little reference to seven in episode two of a needle, a little needle drop, which I'm sure fans of that film will recognize instantly. And then uh, Waldron, uh, the head writer. He says, I, I think Fincher for sure, Zodiac and The Silence of the Lambs were two specific influences we were really looking at a lot in the writer's room. So interesting. Some inspirations for Loki for Loki there. All right. We mentioned it at the top of the show. This is uh, 
it's got the internet all abuzz lately. And so this particular one is an article from comicbookmovie.com. Uh, it says Justice League director Zack Snyder responds to Batman Catwoman controversy with a very not suitable for work image. So if you're not familiar, if you haven't been paying attention, oh, and I should say, this is a very adult piece of culture, Jack, and, and not typically do we get into subjects of this nature. Yes, sure, we swear sometimes we talk about exploding uh, people. This is very, very sexual. So if you if you are someone that doesn't want to, I guess, listen to your, your favorite culture jacked host talk about things of a sexual nature, then you can tune out now. Maybe I'll insert a timestamp to let you know when to come back in. Uh, but anyway, so there's a, a Harley Quinn animated show and the executive producer, Justin Halpern, he had revealed that there was a scene that DC would not let him show in that cartoon. And it was a scene where Batman is performing oral sex on Catwoman. And so those, those things went, went viral and there's been like a, a back and forth on the internet about whether or not Batman would go down on a woman. And his, <laughs> when Halpert was asked uh, why they couldn't include the scene, he revealed that DC replied, and this is the DC rep here, when we sell consumer toys for heroes, it's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on someone. <laughs> a perfect example of that is in this third season of Harley, when we had a moment where Batman was going down on Catwoman, Halpern said, and Daisy was like, you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. They're like, heroes don't do that. So we said, are, are you saying that heroes are just selfish lovers? They, they were like, N no. It said, we sell consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on someone. <laughs> so... <clears throat> I think I think this controversy is so funny and I, I it it reminds me that the internet is so fickle and it's so random and it's so brief and it's so flash in a pan that things like this will pop up they will be a hotbed of of conversation and debate for a little bit and then they'll go away. And so what Zack Snyder did is he tweeted out I believe it was a tweet uh, of Catwoman on her back with Batman squarely with his mouth right between her legs and his arms right up on her belly. Uh, obviously, uh, Zack Snyder is in belief that, yes, Batman does do things like that. Uh, and he wrote, uh, the in the tweet, he wrote, canon. Val Kilmer also weighed in on this controversy, and Val Kilmer famously was Batman. I think he was in Batman Forever. But he tweeted a gif of Batman's girlfriend in Batman Forever saying, we could give it a try. I'll bring the wine. And he titled it when he put his two cents into the, into the Twitter, into the tweet. He says, does he or doesn't he? And so I've got to ask, though I don't want to, Fans of Culture Jacked, is Batman a selfish lover that does not deem it necessary to satisfy his female partners with a little cunnilingus? Or is Batman the epitome 
of what heroes do when Zack Snyder says that that type of behavior is canon. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Leave it, leave it in a comment on our Facebook page or our Twitter account at culture jacked uh, hashtag heroes do that or hashtag heroes don't do that. If you are on the other side of the fence, we're really going to get an idea of what the culture jacked audience is all about here. All right, some quick movie headlines here. Not going to get too deep into these. Uh, Indiana Jones 5 set photos seemingly confirm that star Harrison Ford will be de-aged. So that's good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, And that technology is coming along so great. Like when they did that with Sam Jackson in the Captain Marvel movie, very impressed. I mean, Phil Coulson got the treatment as well. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Tanakh Huerta is rumored to be playing Namor in the Marvel sequel. So we knew we were going to get Namor at some point. And as these characters are coming together, as we get rumors of Namor and we get rumors of Reed Richards for the Fantastic Four coming into into this universe, I mean, despite the fact that Tony Stark has been killed, maybe they will bring back an alternate version of Tony Stark via a different timeline uh, to form the Illuminati. From the comics, which would be absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, another headline here: Loki's Rotten Tomatoes score has been revealed following the first wave of reviews, and it sits at a ninety-six percent. Two episodes out, it's absolutely amazing. Dustin is doing the on today's episode of that on Wednesdays, so hopefully you caught that yesterday. I've been watching it as well; it's very good. Uh, Cruella sequel is officially in the works with director and writer set to return alongside Emma Stone. Now, I watched Cruella, and I will talk a little bit more about that at the end, but just in in brief, it was a great, great show. Uh, it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was good. It was good. I, it was better than I thought, a, frankly, a Cruella 101 Dalmatians prequel could be. Uh, in other movie headlines, I know you've heard this is kind of old news now. We, we intended to talk about it in uh, our, some episodes this in these last couple of weeks. However, we had that E3 coverage that we've been doing. But Jupiter, Jupiter's Legacy, the Miller World Comic Universe debut series, has been canceled. And that's not so much uh, news, but the cast reacted to that cancellation you know, they were sad and sorry that they, they didn't get to continue on the journey. They were thankful for, as you are, we've got more Jupiter's Legacy stuff to talk about. This isn't the only headline. Ah, It's funny, too, because Mark Millar and Netflix, though they have canceled a second season for Jupiter's Legacy, they, they kind of hinted that they're going to come back to it later. They are doing other shows within that same universe and perhaps this will be a situation where we get a season two, maybe seven, eight years down the road. In other headlines, Black Widow long range tracking points to a domestic opening weekend as high as $90 million. That's coming out early in July, I believe. Uh, the thing about this is I didn't expect numbers this high. It'll be interesting to see if they actually hit that $90 million mark. For an opening weekend is a good opening. I mean, for a, for a Disney Marvel movie, you know, uh, 150, 200 million is not unheard of for those pre-COVID. But 90 million, 
Because what did Wonder Woman make? Though it was released simultaneously to HBO Max, I think it only made like six or seven million, if I recall. And I know A Quiet Place 2, I think that one nabbed over a hundred million in its opening domestic uh, domestic opening weekend. Blade star Wesley Snipes is reportedly in talks to join Keanu Reeves in John Wick 4. So that would be interesting. It would be nice to see him uh, star in some of that stuff again. Uh, Loki director Kate Heron confirms there are no plans for Mephisto to appear in the Disney Plus series. And so if you recall from WandaVision, we had, it was just a, a I don't want to say epidemic, it was a... A, a rush it was a, a rash of people reporting that Mephisto would be in the next episode or in the next episode or this was really Mephisto or that was really Mephisto or maybe it was it was Quicksilver the whole time maybe it was Agatha's husband we we didn't know and of course ultimately we ended up with no Mephisto and so it sounds like she is putting an end to that. I think there was uh, a rumor going around with that church in the first episode. There was kind of a stained glass window that had a devil looking character on it. And she very explicitly said, no, that devil, the child said that, you know, was the cause of all of this was not a hint toward Mephisto, but it was moreover a hint toward the uh, variant Loki character who had the horns for their, their helmet that they wear. James Gunn. Okay. This is an interesting headline. James Gunn has spoken to Marvel and DC regarding a potential crossover event. I mean, that would be amazing if DC had a cinematic universe to work with. I mean, they don't really, of course they've got these independent features, but you know, in this time where we're all getting into multiverses, We've got Loki in the TVA, the Multiverse of Madness, Spider-Man, No Way Home. And then, of course, we've got The Flash, the, um, the, the Flashpoint movie that's going to be coming. So this came in a couple of tweets here. Uh, Stuart Duncan asked James Gunn on Twitter. He said, so, at James Gunn, let's say in an alternate reality, universes collided and you were given the green light and complete creative control over a Guardians of the Galaxy versus Suicide Squad movie. Which team would win? James Gunn simply replied, the fans. Then someone else followed up uh, Brandon uh, online. He said, along this lines, <laughs> along this lines, that was not my mistake. That was his. Take it up, to, take it up with Brandon at Miss, Con Miss Conthi. Uh, along this lines, do you think there's even a remote chance we would ever see a blockbuster crossover between the MC, uh, the MCU and the DC or and DC, <laughs> man, I really messed that one up at the end. I thought I was going in strong, but I just fell all over myself. James Gunn replied to Brandon. He said, I've casually talked to the powers that be at both Marvel and DC about it. I would love for it to happen. I don't think it's likely. But I don't think it's an impossibility either. That said, just constantly seeing crossovers and mashups is less enchanting to me than a strong story. We couldn't agree with you more. Uh, we've got a few trailers up on the uh, Culture Jacked Facebook page at Culture Jack. Go check it out. Uh, DC's League of Super Pets gets a teaser. It's got Keanu Reeves, Kevin Hart, Kate McKinnon, and more. <laughs> 
it says. Oh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going to voice Crypto the Superdog. That's coming out May 20th, 2022. The Sandman featurette gives us a first look at some behind-the-scenes footage. And so this wasn't a like a full teaser. This wasn't a, a, a plot trailer. Uh, it was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, coming out on Netflix, still has no premiere date yet. Uh, <laughs> I can tell that I put together some of these news pieces a little while ago because um, Mark Wahlberg is reborn in the action-packed final trailer for Infinite which it came out on June 10th. So it's already out. If you haven't checked that out, go check it out. It's on Paramount plus. I probably won't be able to check it out because I have no intention of getting a Paramount plus account. Hulu, Amazon, Disney plus Netflix. All of these have my money. And I just, I cannot find the rationale to, to give more Shazam Fury of the gods. Director uh, shares first official teaser. And it's really just a, a look at uh, it, it's <laughs> who who is the who is the the character? What is his what is his goddamn name? Anyway, the main character Shazam in a doorway, going it's really dark in here, and they turn on some lights, and that's it. Not not much to be seen of that one yet. It's coming out June uh, of 2023. All right, America, the motion picture uh, trailer. There's another one out. It is coming out on June 30th on Netflix. It looks amazing. Uh, there's Channing Tatum, uh, Jason Mantazukas, whole bunch of other characters coming uh, coming to this one. But it's the real history, the true story of how the USA was born. And all of the, like there's chainsaw hands and there's electric lightning <laughs> lightning rods that someone's shooting out, probably like a Benjamin Franklin type character. I don't know, man, but this looks absolutely awesome. Uh, and then one called Demonic. Uh, okay, oh, this one was super cool. So this one is Neil Blomkamp, and it's coming out August 20th, so just right here in a couple of months. Uh, but this one, if I'm remembering the trailer correctly, has this woman who goes into a video game. It looks like she's doing some beta testing for this game, but this game is so realistic. And the effects that they use for the environment while she is in this game are just unbelievable. It looks kind of like the walls are glitching and melting, but it turns out that she's not just in a game. She's in some kind of hell. Like they have, they've legitimately in this virtual reality game opened up a door to hell somehow or something, something along those lines, lines. I say nines because Neil Blomkamp was of course the uh, director for district nine and Chappie as well, uh, both excellent, excellent movies. And so I can't imagine this is going to be anything, but uh, another trailer we've got, Oh, the Hugh Jackman movie called reminiscence. It's uh, directed by Lisa Joy, and it is coming to HBO Max and theaters on August 20th. This was a really interesting concept. So in the future, everything is really shitty. <laughs> I mean, an argument could be made that uh, today everything is really shitty. However, in this future, the future of this trailer, everything's really bad. And Hugh Jackman runs a, a business where he dips people in a goo that helps them dive into their memories. 
And so it's like and the Weekly Planet guys described it as inception, but not for dreams, for memories. And he also, it turns out that nostalgia is very addictive, so says the trailer. And he gets addicted to going back and seeing his old girlfriend. And then there's like a mystery on top of that about why she left him. And so him, him trying to, to track her down. Very good. Very interesting role for Hugh Jackman. I'm very excited to see it. Uh, we got a little bit of a teaser for Jurassic World Dominion. And that's coming out on June 10th, 2023. I still have to rewatch those Jurassic World movies. And I don't even think I saw the last one. Then The Witcher uh, Season 2 teaser features a, a first look at Henry Cavill's return as Geralt of Rivia. So that's coming out at some point. There's no release date yet. Then we got a trailer for Masters of the Universe Revelation. And that's coming out July 24th. And it looks pretty good. It looks like I expected it to look. If anyone has ever watched a uh, animated Justice League show or one of the animated Batman shows, it reminds me of that style of animation where it looks pretty good for the most part. Like the, the lines are sharp. The colors are good. But the movement is maybe a little stiff in a lot of places. Regardless, I'm going to watch it anyway. I was a huge He-Man fan back when I was a child, though those cartoons do not hold up to the nostalgia. Black Widow star Scarlett Johansson on the character's more sexualized depiction in Iron Man 2. So Collider asked Scarlett Johansson about the sexualization of superheroes in relation to how her character, Natasha Romanoff, has evolved over the years. And the actress recalled her MCU debut back in 2010's Iron Man. Uh, she said, all of that's related to that uh, move away from the kind of hypersexualization of this character. And I mean, you look back at Iron Man 2, and while it was really fun, and I had a lot of great uh, moments in it, the character is so sexualized, you know? really talked about like she's a piece of something, like a possession or a thing or whatever, like a piece of ass, really. And Tony even refers to her as something like that at one point. What does he say? And the, the interviewer reminds her that uh, he says, I want, I want one after his introduction to Natasha during the training scene. Um, she says, yeah, and at one point he calls her a piece of meat and maybe at that time that actually felt like a compliment. You know what I mean? Because my thinking was different. Maybe I even would have, you know, my own self-worth was probably measured against that type of comment. Or, like a lot of young women, you come into it, into your own, and you understand your own self-worth. It's changing now. Now people, young girls, are getting a much more positive message. But it's been incredible to be a part of that shift and to be able to come out of the other side and be a part of that old story. But also progress, evolve. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I also think it's really cool too that, and this is not Scarlett Johansson talking anymore, though I know how you could be confused. We sound exactly the same. I also think it's really cool that in Iron Man 2, when Black Widow was introduced, yeah, the MCU was picking up steam. It was going, but I, I never felt like, and I'm sure the, the creative minds over at Disney and Marvel never felt like. These secondary and tertiary characters, the Black Widow, the uh, Hawkeyes of the world, the Lokis, the Scarlet Witches, were going to get 
their own thing. And so it is cool to see not only her get a more impactful story, not to mention, you know, saving the universe, though some of my friends disagree with that uh, idea, her, you know, her sacrifice for the soul stone. But uh, yeah, so some some self-reflection by Scar, Scar, Scarlett Johansson. That's three Scarlett Johansons. <laughs> okay, and uh, Jupiter's Legacy, a little bit more about that. Uh, the budget was a big deciding factor about why it was canceled. Stephen tonight reportedly told Netflix that each episode would cost 12 million bucks. The streamer uh, backed him down to nine, nine million. And then tonight was eventually replaced by Sang Hyu Kim of the walking dead who had to retool and redo uh, the first batch of episodes. Ultimately, uh, the cost was way too much. The final budget of the season, as is believed, is upwards of $200 million. Um, yeah, so it, and you could tell, you could tell that there were production problems when you watched that show. Like I said, the story for it was amazing. I need to read the comic, I think, because I think the comic is probably pretty good. Uh, and it, it didn't get that many, many uh, viewers. It, it generated 696 million minutes of view time in the week of May 3rd through the 9th. Um, yeah, live action Super Crook series is in development. However, Netflix insists that it's still invested in Miller World for the long haul. Like I said, I read some other things talking about this just being kind of the kicking off point for this Millar World sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta put you gotta put the time and the effort into these into these things. Steven Spielberg, speaking of Netflix, signs a massive deal with Netflix. Um, what is he going to do? He's going to produce Amblin Partners, Steven Spielberg's production company, will produce multiple films per year for the streamer while continuing to do the same for Universal. This comes from Deadline. Uh, Netflix's co-CEO and chief content officer Ted Sarandos uh, called Spielberg a creative visionary and leader while also saying the streamer is honored and thrilled to be part of this chapter of Steven's cinematic history. Steven Spielberg also made a statement on the deal below. And in, in my headcanon now, as I imagine Steven Spielberg, he is a very Russian man. <clears throat> At Amblin, storytelling will forever be at the center of everything we do. And from the minute Ted and I started discussing a partnership, it was abundantly clear that we had an amazing opportunity to tell new stories together and reach audiences in new ways. This new avenue for our films, alongside the stories we continue to tell with our longtime family at Universal and our other partners, will be incredibly fulfilling for me personally since we get to embark on it together with Ted. And I can't wait to get started with him. Uh, Scott, who is Netflix head of global film, and the entire Netflix team. So that's exciting. Steven Spielberg has been a longtime staple for Hollywood. There was some rabble online talking about Steven Spielberg dismissing streamers like Netflix. And so it's really kind of interesting to see that he's 
turned around and gotten on what is obviously the train as it's leaving the station. And that is all that we have for movie news. In gaming news from thegamer.com, GameStop reveals the top 10 pre-ordered titles following E3. I'm going to list them off here for you. Uh, and this is not, it doesn't look like a sequential list, so don't be mad if yours is up or down at the bottom of the list. So, uh, Metroid Dread coming October 8th, uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD coming July 16th, Mario Golf Switch, yes, coming June 25th, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl coming on November 19th, Mario Party Superstars, yes, Coming October 29th, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy on the 26th of October, Far Cry 6 on the 7th of October, Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance coming uh, June 22nd, Madden NFL 22 is coming August 20th, and Pokemon Legends Arceus is coming on the 1st, no, not the 1st, on the 28th of January 2022. Now, this... This is not a list of the most popular games of E3. This is not a list of the greatest showcases of E3. We're, we put that list together for you, us here at Culture Jack. Well, again, I didn't. I was left uniquely out of the list making for that one. But you'll find that list here. No, this is the top 10 pre-ordered titles following the event. Final Fantasy IX to get an animated adaptation. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Battlefield 2042 is the right is <laughs> I'm sorry. This title, this gaming headline says Battlefield 2042 is right to throw away the single player campaign. So there will be no single player campaign. I don't know if they made that obvious at E3, but I did miss it. The multiplayer campaign does look fun. It'll be interesting to see if they make 2042 a free to play game making their money off of skins and DLC and the like. I know I'm excited to play with Dustin and Anthony. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun, especially a, a big 64-player map. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. That's some that's some big big team battle stuff. Forza Horizon 4 sales experienced a 40, not a 40, a 480% boost following that E3 showcase of Forza Horizon 5. Psychonauts 2 had no crunch time, according to Double Fine. So this is an amazing headline, uh, just based on the fact that crunch time within the video game industry is becoming so prolific that it becomes it becomes news stories. It makes headline news, and you are having your game creators work 16-hour days nonstop, day after day, weekends included, to get a game done, and then that game, when it comes out is still unfinished. We're looking at you, Cyberpunk 2077. And so it's nice to know that this game developer gave uh, its team enough time to do the game successfully. We Well, we assume. We don't know. Psychonauts 2 could come out incredibly broken, but I doubt it because it is a big flagship title for Microsoft uh, to get it done right without burning them out. It's going to keep that good job environment, and it's going to keep good games coming out of Double Fine. The Starfield reveal trailer was made in-engine and without any cinematic tools. So a lot of us were disappointed 
with the fact that we didn't see any gameplay from Starfield. And in fact, you know, this trailer was about as good as the trailer that we got a few years ago about Starfield, you know, with that satellite warping through warping through space. But it's good to know that that's the kind of fidelity that we're going to be getting with that game. When you look at the way the character was walking, you look at the model of the gun, you look at the environment around him, you look at some of the the assets in like the particle effects, the, the steam coming out of the ship, that sort of stuff. And you go, wow, that's actually pretty impressive. And so I'll be very excited to see gameplay with that in-engine models and assets. In other gaming headlines, George R.R. R. Martin called Elden Ring a sequel to Dark Souls. So I'm not a big Dark Souls fan. I haven't played any of their games for any considerable or impactful amount of time. So Dark Souls fans, you'll have to tell us in the comments whether you think that is true for one. And two, are you excited about it? Is that something that you wanted? Did you want a successor to the Dark Souls games? Or did you want something completely new? And this news may be the most devastating thing that you've heard all week. Uh, here's another piece of gaming news. Uh, a Call of Duty Warzone player was robbed during his Twitch stream. Uh, so Sterna Lewis, a streamer who goes by the name MS Bandit, was celebrating the release of Call of Duty Warzone season with a Twitch live stream. And then three men, one armed, uh, barged into her. Oh, Sterna, Sterna Lewis. This is I've misgendered this person. This is a, this is a lady gamer. Uh, barged into her studio where they ripped off her headphones and accosted her. Uh, Lewis and her husband, Mario Engelbrecht, were bound and told to lay quietly on the ground when the uh, intruders proceeded to collect the couple's valuables. The robbers reportedly stole the couple's car keys, cell phones, TVs, and several other electronics before authorities were notified, uh, according to the news site Pretoria Record. Uh... The local police department said it is actively investigating the situation that four suspects reportedly fled the scene with two watches, two phones, and car keys. Whether it's a robbery or another incident like swatting, being targeted is not something to be taken. Okay, so that's all edit editorializing. Uh, yeah, this is very similar, I'm sure, to swatting. Um, you know, there's like very... Very simple and and harmless. Well, I mean, I guess if you talk to the esports folks, you wouldn't say it's harmless, but very simple and harmless, uh, like stream sniping, where someone will watch your Twitch stream and then they will boot up the game, find you in the game, and see that you are doing what you are doing and be able to. I mean, basically, it's a modern day version of screen peeking. You remember that back on the old SNES or uh, on the Genesis? And then there's swatting where a person that you have somehow pissed off on the internet or, you know, incorrectly given your address, maybe you're not using a VPN, they get your uh, ISP or whatever. Um, and then they, they call the police and tell them there's a bomb, there's a hostage situation at your address. And not your ISP, what am I thinking? Your, your shoot, what is that? Your address. Your computer address, your IP address. I did it. We made it there. All right, fantastic. Well, they call in a bomb threat or a hostage situation or something at your house. And so that SWAT team ends up going to your house, knocking down the door. Well, you're just playing, you know, <laughs> the Viva Pinata on a stream. And then they come and arrest you. Or 
as we have had in the past, kill you because you didn't answer the door correctly. You were swatted and then murdered by the police by proxy of another pissed off 12 year old halfway across the country or across the world. Terrible. Why? Why all that? Uh, Harada reveals Tekken by Street Fighter was about 30 percent complete, quote, but the project died. This is from thegamer.com as well. The collaboration between Tekken and Street Fighter universes was first announced 11 years ago during the San Diego Comic-Con. Oh my gosh, that's such a long time ago. I remember being so fight, so fight, so excited about that. Capcom did release Street Fighter by Tekken. So they were going to release two games. One was by the Street Fighter people that had Tekken characters in it. This one, Street Fighter by Tekken in 2000. 12 then namco was supposed to release tekken by street fighter uh you know street fighter characters in a tekken game basically uh so namco's game was slower moving the article says though director katsuhiro harada did insist the game was still moving forward for several years then in 2016 harada gave an interview with GameSpot where he confirmed the game was no longer an active development he offered a few reasons for it, you know, uh, the fear of splitting the two franchises' communities. We don't want to split these communities, so a good window in which to release Tekken by Street Fighter is something that's becoming become difficult recently. So it's on hold for the moment. And then in 2019, uh, he assured fans that the game was still in development, just moving forward very slowly. With the continued success of Tekken 7 and its DLC, the collaborative game was becoming harder to justify. Now, in the most recent episode of... Harada's Bar, a video series where he sits down with folks from the game industry to share a drink and answer questions. Hey, you know what? Anthony, Dustin, and myself are kind of in the gaming industry, Harada. So if you'd like to have us on the bar, we're, we're down. Invite us over. Um, Harada and Tekken 7's director, Kohi Ikeda, gave an update on the long-awaited game. Though the game was about 30% complete, the project is officially dead. Uh, (laughs) though fans can get a small taste of what the project could have looked like through Akuma's model in Tekken 7 and motions that reflected Akuma. And so it's, it's sad because this was a game that I was very excited about for a hot minute. However, it never, it never came to fruition. I love the Tekken games. Like if I, if I had to pick a side, if I had to say I was a street fighter or if I was a Tekkeneer, I would say I I was a Tekkeneer. Okay, uh, just one last thing in the the gaming side of things. I mean, I guess, you know, besides the games that I'm playing and want to play and have played and couldn't have played, uh, there was an update for the Caves and Cliffs. It was a Caves and Cliffs update for Minecraft. So any Minecraft players out there, you're going to be very excited about this. In fact, I'm sure you probably know about this already. Uh, There was a update released on June 8th. Um, which added geodes, copper, and new blocks and mobs. And then the second part is going to be released as a Java Edition 1.18 and Bedrock Edition 1.18.0 at the end of 2021, which will include expanded caves, increased uh, height um, and depth limit, a new mountain generation, new biomes. Uh, All right, so I want to get into this update. I want to tell you a little about little bit about what is in uh, this update. So we're getting new blocks. We're getting amethyst buds and amethyst clusters. 
Uh, they grow on any side of budding amethyst blocks over time. They do emit a small amount of light. Azalea, different variants of bushes and trees. Uh, pink blossoms called flowering azalea. Azalea can be found in the lush caves biome, which is a new biome. Azalea leaves as part of the uh, azalea, azalea tree. The big drip leaf, a plant that can be used for platforming. If a player mob stands on top of the plant for two seconds, 40 ticks, the plant tilts and the player or mob falls through the plant. It tilts even if the player is sneaking. So you have to move fast. This will be a wonderful addition to uh, your cave systems, I think, or maybe your secret areas in the map that you want to protect from others. Uh, it also tilts if it's hit by a projectile like snowballs or arrows. It does not tilt when it is powered by a redstone block unless it is hit by a projectile. Uh, block of ameth amethyst. <laughs> Listen, guys, how many amethyst additions are you putting in this? Because I don't think I can get this word right at all. Um, that can be crafted with four amethyst shards and it generates in geode structures. Makes a sparkling sound when placed or walked on. Ooh. Uh, budding amethyst. When it receives a random tick, it's a 20% chance to generate a, or grow an amethyst bud on one of its sides. Calcite spawns between smooth basalt and rock and blocks of amethyst. <laughs> Lord, help me. Uh, much like real-life geodes. Uh, candles and candle cakes. Oh, that's interesting. So something other than a torch. I wonder if it's just going to look like a smaller torch. Up to four can be placed on a single block. Similar to sea pickles. <laughs> uh, can be placed in water but cannot be lit when it is waterlogged. Uh, a cauldron can now be filled with lava in a Java edition, which was previously a bedrock edition exclusive. Striders are not affected by lava cauldrons. Cave vines grow on the bottom side of a block. They, they grow in lush caves. They can be planted or they can be planted using glowberries and they produce edible glowberries, which are a light source. That's great. I always have a hard time lighting, lighting up my caves in Minecraft. Cobbled deep slate. It takes slightly longer to mine than normal stone and mining deep slate without silk touch drops cobbled deep slate, similar to stone dropping cobblestone can be crafted or cut into the following blocks. So similar to other other stones or block shapes, you know, you got slabs, stairs, walls, bricks, brick slabs, tiles, that sort of thing. Copper blocks and its variants as well. The copper blocks are really cool because what was it? Once you develop them into blocks, when they are exposed to rain, they act like real copper where they will turn uh, green, which is super cool. Honeycombs can be used to make waxed copper, which does not progress beyond uh, the patina stage it has at the time. The wax can be scraped off with an axe, but it does not drop the honeycomb. Um, axes can be used to undo that oxidization uh, stage one at a time, and then drowned can drop copper ingots. What is copper going to do? Is it for making wires? Copper ore is a new ore that's found underground. It spawns in ore veins similar to iron, can be smelted into a copper ingot, can now be used to craft copper blocks like lightning rods and spyglasses, does not generate 
below Y level zero. Deep slate can be found below Y level zero. Deep slate ores, deep uh, dripstone block, grow lichen as a decorative block, can be waterlogged, looks similar to vines, hanging roots. Uh, again, in the lush cave system, lightning rods. We talked about that being able to be a new crafted uh, item. Oh, this is cool. They emit a redstone signal when struck by lightning, with the exception of when it gets struck by lightning from a channeling trident in a thunderstorm in which it emits nothing. That'd be cool. If you had a lightning rod and then you attached a bunch of redstone configuration to it with a bunch of lights, with a bunch of like glowstone lights and that lightning hit that lightning rod and just like light up an entire mountainside. Oh, that'd be really cool. Uh, let's see what else. Raw ore blocks crafted from nine raw iron, raw gold or raw copper. Moss blocks. Uh, then we've got moss carpet as well. Pointed dripstone. It comes in two forms, stalactites and stalagmites. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. They're coming. We got powder snow, similar to snow, but entities fall through it. The fall is similar to the effects of cobwebs, but faster. Interesting. Cool for building traps, I imagine. If the player does not have any leather armor equipped and they walk or fall in, they start to freeze and take damage. That's new. Freezing lowers the player's field of vision or field of view. Turns the health bar blue and puts a frosty vignette on their screen. That's a, a very new... New thing because I don't think I have seen within my playtime with Minecraft a update change to the health bar. Let's see what else. Rooted dirt, skulk sensor. What is a skulk sensor? Oh, it emits particles when a vibr it senses a vibration nearby, except when it's waterlogged. So it can be used for wireless redstone. Interesting and very neat. Small drip leaf, smooth basalt, spore blossom, tinted glass. A type of glass that does not allow light to pass through. That could be good for uh, villager zombie evolution, I suppose. And a tough. Spawns occasionally in the deep slate layer. Anything below Y level zero. I wonder if that's a new, a new mob. No, it's an ornamental rock formed from volcanic ash occurring in underground blobs below Y16. And I, I, I think there's a little bit more to that update, but I'm not going not gonna to drag on too long with the Minecraft update. And that, my friends, is all I have for gaming news. All right, and finally, what has been keeping me entertained over the last few weeks? I haven't gotten a chance to do this segment, so I actually have a lot to share with you uh, for this one. For games that I've been playing, Fortnite, I've been getting back into Minecraft a little bit, and in anticipation maybe for this Caves and Cliffs update, or Cliffs and Caves update, Subnautica... I played that one for the first time as a very terrifying game. If you have any kind of uh, phobia or fear about the sea, this is not the game for you. This is a game you're going to feel a little bit nervous trying to play this game. Uh, it's, it's a base builder. It's a time, time waster, a time sink, if you will. I did try and play Tunic. I heard there was a free demo on Xbox, on the Xbox store. However, I did not make it to that demo 
in time. Unfortunately, it expired uh, the day that I tried to get on it, which was the 21st. But it looks really cool. Looks like a cool game. Uh, as for the things that I've been watching, now this list is quite exhaustive. I finished the first season of MODOK. Now, my review of MODOK, it was okay. It was basically a sitcom, so if you like that, that sort of stuff, well, then this could probably be your cup of tea. Otherwise, it wasn't too exciting. I enjoy things that are stop-motion animated or at least give off that feature, and Pat Oswalt and the rest of the crew are amazing in it. I started again the One Piece anime. I'm only two episodes in, and don't get it twisted. Like, I am a One Piece anime fan from way back. I watched the season, or I watched the anime all the way up through um, Thriller Bark, at which point I ran out of anime, and so I switched over to manga, and I am currently current with the manga as well. But I thought I'd just start rewatching One Piece because apparently I, I don't have enough things to do already. I started watching Sweet Tooth, watched the first episode of that. Very cute little show. I started again to watch Fire Force, an anime. It's an anime about firefighters who are putting out fires that are caused by spontaneous human combustion, where these people turn into these fire demons. And so not only do they have to put out the fire, but they have to neutralize the fire demon as well. It is animated incredibly well. Um... It looks very interesting. Only a couple episodes into that. Watched, again, for some reason, uh, the first episode of Sword Art Online, which is a wonderful anime. I highly recommend it to anyone interested in that sort of thing. It's an anime wherein all of the characters get this new gaming system. It's like a virtual reality gaming system. And they put it on, but it hooks up to their nervous system as well, and it gets them in this game. Turns out the creator of the game is a madman who decided he was going to disable everyone's logout function, and if they tried to physically remove the gear from the outside, like a family member or whatnot, it had a failsafe in it that would electrically fry their brain. And so they've got to play through this game in order to beat it, so they're living in a virtual reality world. Um, it's a great show. I haven't watched it in a long time, and I don't know what is inspiring me to watch just the beginning couple episodes of just a slew of things, but I've been very all over the place lady, lately. And lady. Lady, listen. I've been all over the place. I'm tired of you telling me about it. Watched a little bit of Death Parade. Again, another anime. I did watch Cruella, which was a downright decent origin story for Cruella the villain. Now, it makes it really hard, as others have said, to sympathize with a character that you know is going to be dead set on murdering 100 or more Dalmatian puppies. But Emma Stone did a great job. The, her two sidekicks, I can't remember the, the tall skinny guy and the short fat guy uh, shown in 101 Dalmatians, the animation, had kind of their origin story as well. And I thought they made it believable in a way where... You know, one of them is kind of just too dumb to know that he's being taken advantage of and manipulated by this woman. And the other one is obviously in love with Cruella. And so it gives a decent origin story to these otherwise unbelievable cartoon characters that are doing the bidding of this lanky, maniacal, dog-killing woman. 
I watched The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Not typically a a movie that I would watch. I'm not big into the horror franchise, but it was a very good movie. It had like this murder mystery thing about it, and the the two main characters had to go around and find out who was responsible for summoning this demon. Well, a boy who who killed while under the demon's influence was being held to murder charges. And so they had to hurry up and and find and put a stop to this thing before he was put to death. Very good. Very good. Watch Pacific Rim again. Always, always a good movie. Uh, I finished Castlevania. Castlevania, if you have not seen it on Netflix, is absolutely stunning. It. I didn't, I didn't shed a tear, but I was very close in the last episode. It was very touching, very heartfelt. And, and I know I've dogged on it time and time again where the animation is okay, pretty good, and then not really great, and then really, really good. Um, but that shouldn't be a deterrent for anyone looking for a great story to watch. Whether you are a fan of animated shows or not, if you are a fan of great stories well told and each of the seasons felt fully encapsulated. There's four seasons total. They felt they felt fully encapsulated by themselves. But the overarching story that they told was so complete, so thorough, no loose ends, very satisfactory. Like you had a satisfying ending that you you got off and you said, OK, Castlevania, I'm full. Thank you. That was delicious. And then sometimes sometimes that's not the case. You go you watch a movie or a, a show and at the end, you're disappointed. You're like, there was more that needed to be said or they said too much. This one was mm, chef's kiss. Perfect. I did also watch the first episode of Rick and Morty for season number five. The show is bonkers. Uh, it's so smart. It's so clever. And the things in that show is and, and, and not to sound like, a, you know, a Rick and Morty stand like one of these folks out here that just think it's the most brilliant piece of art uh, in our lifetime, which is very good. Don't get me wrong. It's very good. But it it's so clever in that in every episode, they introduce like eight or nine different sci-fi concepts. Each one of those sci-fi concepts, if it was being handled by Warner Brothers, would be a movie in its own right. Like that is how good those concepts are and how good they are executed all the while just dismissing them. Like they are another, uh, like a date at a bar in a rom-com, like just another thing, but they're explicitly amazing. And then I watched a little bit of a Jojo's bizarre adventure. Uh, I think I'm in the fourth season or <laughs> that show's amazing. If you are an anime fan and you enjoy the trope of an anime character, over explaining their power, over explaining the situation uh, and very dramatic pauses, poses and some references to some old rock bands. There is a character named ACDC in the show. Then you would love Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. But that's been what I've been watching, what I've been playing. And that is it for the Culture Jack News Desk. Make sure you tune in to our other shows. We've got shows all throughout the week. Uh, <laughs> you can leave us a review. 
if you'd be so kind, if you if you learned something that you didn't know today, you got a piece of news that you weren't aware of, something happening that you didn't know was going on, leave us a review, will you? Tell us what that thing is. Leave us a comment on Facebook or on Twitter at Culture Jack. Send us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. Get a hold of us some way. We're on a lot of streaming platforms, too. And if you leave a comment on some weird streaming platform that you've never heard of or I've never heard of, we might not get back to you because we don't even know that comment exists. So if you do that, leave us another comment on one of our social media platforms and then we will get back to you. We'll go find that comment. Leave us a comment about the other comment that you made. Regardless, thanks for joining us here at the Culture Jack News Desk. I'm Archimedes Abigail. That's the news and we'll see you next week.